0: Today's reading is Exodus 17, 10 through 13. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Grace. My name is Daniel Long, and this is my friend Maisha Cheney. Uh, and she's going to be giving us the word this morning. Now, I've had the pleasure of sitting under Maisha's teaching in a few different places. One was right out here, actually, when she spoke to a, um, I think you spoke to a few different pastors and leaders in Long Beach. and. I was so convicted and moved by, by your words on failure and really, like, trusting God in the midst of failure. But also, I don't know if you remember this, but um, so Maisha and her husband, Wayne, are pastors at Antioch Church in downtown Long Beach. And when I was in charge of the middle school ministry, we would do a loving Long Beach trip, and then every Sunday of that trip, we would go to Antioch. And it was an experience, and it was incredible. And so, you know, Wayne and I and, and you, I just I love this relationship, but I'm so grateful that you are here to speak to us. Maisha was telling us how we could pray, and, I, and, and she started saying what she felt like God put on her heart. I'm like, oh, God's been talking to you about us. So I'm very grateful that you are here. So thank you so much, Maisha. Are am good? Yes, we are.
1: I got the key, I got the power in my own hand. I am so honored to be here, to be with people, to see your faces. And I believe that God has something he'd like to share with all of us, even me. I'm hearing things and I'm like, God, I didn't even think about that. This is for me, Um, but let's pray. God. There are so many people in this room, all kinds of challenges and struggles, looking at the marriages that are hanging on by a thread, God, and those who are finding themselves in seasons of lament and discouragement. But I also sense that there's such celebration and victory, that you're showing yourself God in so many dramatic ways. I just pray that we all find space in this room that if we're in a season of sadness, that we'd be present there. And if we're on the mountaintop and experiencing joy and the abundance of joy, I pray that we can be excited about that too. Thank you for trusting us in these moments with your ancient texts and all that you have spoken. May it be uplifting to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I am Aisha Cheney and I'm grateful to all of the pastors here and the leadership and to this Grace family. God has been so kind to each of us that we still, that we're here, we survived. I'm thankful to my husband Wayne Cheney and he and I have been married for, uh, and in ministry together for about 17 years. And when I married a senior pastor at 20 years old, can you say 20? I realized something very quickly. It was actually important to like people. (laughs) Nothing personal. I just didn't fully want to be together. Um, I'm somewhat of an introvert, and just people just wasn't my thing. I mean, I love people, don't get me wrong, I just didn't like them. I'm the one that would set up the committee and give everybody their assignments, and we just meet to talk about what we were doing individually. Like, that's, that's like my, my speed. Um, I would invite people over to my house and be somewhere upstairs on the computer working while everybody was enjoying the barbecue downstairs. I mean, it was dysfunction at its finest, for real. I knew we had to do things together. I just, it was just something about, something about it that I just didn't feel comfortable with. Even in school, whenever the teacher would say we had to do a group project, I always felt like, oh, no, why? Why? People didn't keep their end of the bargain. I didn't want to depend on others to accomplish a goal that affected me. They waited to the last minute to get the assignment done, and I just, you know, it was just drama. And besides, I like my own ideas. I like doing things my way. I mean, the only time I wanted to come together was to talk about what we were going to do separately. If I was a betting man, I'd bet it all on me. I could do things by myself, with myself, and for myself because I could always count on myself. And I was good, to be honest. I had enough wins to think I was the end-all, be-all but I'm not the only one. Can I have at least one witness? Can I have one person to not just leave me out there like that? The truth is, I was self-reliant and self-sufficient. And if I could be honest, at the core, I was afraid. I was afraid to trust. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be accepted. And all of these moments of being together was just so much vulnerability that somebody could say, you know what, I see you and, mm, I'll pass. I was afraid of rejection. If I needed your help and you didn't come through for me, it would hurt me even more than asking you in the first place. I didn't even throw parties because I didn't know if somebody would come. My issues and what was going on beneath the surface pulled me away from the very people I should have been drawn toward. God did something to shift my paradigm. He was like, this way you've been living, this way you've been functioning, to protect yourself, I have a different way. And you know what he did to help me, what he did to shift me? He brought me to my limit. He allowed me to get in circumstances where I didn't have enough, where I ran out of gas, where I said, you know what, God, I can do a lot, but I cannot do anything else. I reached my ceiling. It felt like I couldn't go any higher. I couldn't do it all anymore. And in this season of life, it felt like I was underwater with an exhausted oxygen tank. I know the pandemic brought out a lot of our limitations. And maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe you've been there before. Where you saw, you found, you met your limits. That I can do this, but I can't do this. You know what it's like to run all the right plays and still lose the game? It was like I was giving double effort for half the results. Knowing something is missing, something is broken, something's not right, something is going on, what do I do with this? I thought maybe it was time for me to just retire, move to something else. Life wasn't working, this wasn't working. What do you do? When you sense limitations, when you sense a glass ceiling, when you sense that you've exhausted your own strength, what do you do when God is the one limiting you? It's one thing to just not be exposed and to not know. It's another thing when God is at work. God will create in us a divine limitation. Can you say that, divine limitation? Here's our scripture in Exodus chapter 17, verse number 10. It says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites, as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, They took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Ur held up his hands one on one side and one on the other so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. We find these children of Israel in this battle and they're fighting. Moses is praying. Joshua is leading the charge. And Moses is being aided by Aaron. And Aaron in some sense represents the priesthood and intercession, praying. And then er, on the other side, actually means liberty. So in my mind, I'm thinking here Moses in the center with intercession and liberty. This is just a little side note, a little tangent for us all. But it's interesting that God would have Moses being supported through intercession and liberty. Liberty is important because it gives leaders the ability to move as God leads them, the freedom to be. In fact, it gives leaders liberty, the freedom to be for us what they weren't for us in a previous season. It's important. The moral of my story, the moral of this moment today, will be hinged on the idea that we need each other. We need each other. Not only do we need each other, the only way forward will be together. Moses knows about divine limitation. As long as he kept his hands up, Joshua had supernatural victory over the Amalekites in battle, but his arms were tired. Now, if I lifted my arms up like this, I'm not very fit. I used to be. I'm working on it. But I can give you about an hour. Nah. Five minutes. Maybe. I just took a B12 before I came in. I'm I'm lit. But imagine, Moses, his arms needing to be up so that Israel win the battle. Why would God do that? When he wants to draw us to other people, he won't give us everything we need directly. He'll put it in somebody else. Moses needed his arms to be up because he was tired and God used two people to support him to get the victory. We ask God for prayers. We're praying prayers to God and saying, God, I need you to move. I need this to shift in my life. I need this blessing, or I need this opportunity, or maybe I need this to be, uh, I want this taken from me, and all these prayers, and oftentimes, God does it through other people. He will put something you need in somebody else. God did a supernatural victory in the battle that he didn't do in Moses' arms. He could have easily just strengthened Moses' arms with the same power that he used. But he said, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to just allow Moses the overwhelming supernatural ability to keep his arms up so that they win the battle. But the power was still working because they were winning. He did a supernatural victory in the battle that he didn't do in Moses' arms. He did a miracle in him that he didn't do around him. No. He did a miracle around him that he didn't do in him. If we look at the terrain of our life, we can start to see some of God's fingerprints. I know I can. When I'm maxed out, and I had nothing left. God used people to come alongside, to whisper in my ear, to remind me of God's promises, to take care of my family, to to hold us. This ministry journey is not easy. God could have just strengthened Moses' arms, but he allowed him to be supported by others. He drew them together, and he was modeling for us the necessity of depending on other people. It's okay to need help. We all get tired sometimes. Some of us in the room are tired right now. Amen. <laughs> it has always been God's desire to draw us both vertically and horizontally. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. When God wants to draw us to himself, he'll hide the answers we need in him. Give us that consolation. Give us us that feeling of connectedness. God will do it in him. And he won't allow others to meet our need. You know those times when you call everybody you know to pray for you and it seems like, what do you think? We're telling the situation about what's going on and the advice is just not landing and and everything we're trying to do outside, and then we get this little memo that says, you need to go to God for this one. When he wants to draw us to himself, everything we need is in him. And on the flip side, when he wants to draw us to each other, he will lock the answers we need inside of one another. It connects our healing, our blessing, just what we need to someone else. A kind word in the grocery store. Someone sending a text message saying, hey, I just, I'm thinking of you. But God was glorified through their working together. Here's the interesting thing that I want us to lean in on. What happens when Aaron and Ur's arms are tired? This is the scene that God kind of painted for me. That in this pandemic, or the last 18, 19 months, the people that were there supporting the leaders, the people that are there supporting others, are also tired. And somehow, some way, Israel was losing the battle, and the warriors, the soldiers, the people on the front line, those who were called to be supportive, those who were called to pray, those who were called to give space, were tired themselves. The Bible says that they held his hands up until sunset. That's a long time. So what do we do when the people that were meant to be supportive don't have the strength either? I know for myself, I was a shell. I was doing great starting off, Um, I went off sugar, I went off uh, all carbs, I I just ate meat, vegetables, drank water, and nuts. And I lost 50 pounds in the first six months of the pandemic. And I needed that focus, Um, food was my drug of choice, When I was happy, I ate. When I was sad, I ate. When I felt alone, I ate. And I created this love affair with cupcakes. (laughs) And I don't know what it was about that trifecta of that sugar and that fat and that combo that just, just gave me everything that I needed. And God was saying, for the road I'm gonna take you on, I have to reframe some of your relationships with food. No more cookies, no more candies, no more cakes. I didn't even go on the grocery store that had candy at the check stand, because I just thought I'm going to lose it. And he reframed that, and it was exciting and amazing, and I was very grateful, I felt alive and energized. And some of you here, you don't have that problem, because you take care of your bodies, you eat everything healthy, and I'm totally jealous of you in this moment, but, <laughs> but I struggled. And this uplifting and exciting time in my life gave me the fuel I needed for the compounding losses that I would experience. And walking through this season, um, not having people to, to to be there. So when you would go through, when I would go through something, I could come to church, or I can go to a group, and I felt connected. I can say, "Man, I'm struggling in this area." Wow! And people would say, "Yes, I understand." And we we feel that connection. We pray for one another, and we can go back home, and we feel better. But in the pandemic, I didn't have that. So it was my husband and my family managing a lot. And I don't know if it was my dad's divorce or if it was my whole family getting COVID or if it was my daughter's struggle with mental illness and attempting suicide, something completely leveled me. And I just withdrew, I just left the room. My body just left myself like I was a shell of a person and going about life completely dry. There were no more rivers of living water. There was no spiritual enlightenment for me. I just kind of existed as uh, I was my person. I know God, I love God. God has always been kind to me. But in this moment, I just really did not care. And uh, I came and found those limitations once again and all I could do was just sit and be. I dried up. The worship songs didn't snap me out of it. The prayers didn't snap me out of it. Um, I was still going to church though. I was still recording my messages. I was still teaching other people. I was still showing up for my children and helping them with homework. I was still there, which was a weird paradox. But something shifted on the inside. And what felt like life at one season now felt like, what are we doing? Why are we all here? What is this all about? Where are we going? How is God gonna shift this and change this? And then I thought, maybe I'm just by myself, maybe everybody else, because you know, sometimes you see other people and you feel like, well, they're happy. And I was getting really thrown off by what I was seeing and I was like, People were saying this is the best time of my life. I'm closer to God than ever, and it was just like crickets with my relationship. I was like, "Where are you, God? I know you're. I know you're there. Do you know what it's like to be in God and held by God, but be, be, feel cl- far from God at the same time?" Something wasn't working. It wasn't firing. And then, um, I think in the summer, I started saying, okay, God, what do you want to do? It's just me and you. How do we deal? Because we can't stay here forever. This is not meaningful. It wasn't anything magical and mysterious, but God put me in a room full of people. In fact, He put me right here in this courtyard. And the sharing, and the talking, and the processing with other people was the seed that I needed. It was the moment, the the moment of vulnerability, the moment of connection. And God says that, um, He said to me, how I'm gonna move you through this time will be directly connected to your relationship with people. I'm gonna put the answer that you need in somebody else. My arms weren't strong enough to hold it all up and unfortunately the people, because we're all in this together, their arms couldn't necessarily hold me up So here Israel was losing the battle and we were all sitting, watching, eating popcorn. Passing time. Seeing that we need to do something but not knowing exactly how are we going to make a difference. Realizing that, oh my goodness, we've never been this way before. From that moment of me sharing and me me being present with other people started a snowball. That every opportunity that I got to sit, to be connected, I realized that God, this is our way forward. This is how we're gonna do this. How do we wake up? I'm sure there's a million and one things that people are gonna come out with, research that's gonna happen, where we're gonna learn how to grieve the past 18 months, how to be excited. Maybe here at Grace, you guys are excited, but... uh, (laughs) Serving God feels very differently than it did two years ago. People have been trained to be selfish, to care about themselves, to prioritize themselves, to do what they want. Figuring out a way for us to see the value and us together will be the most meaningful mission we get to accomplish. If you ask me, okay, well, how do, how do we, how does God work this all together? How does he handle all this? I, I learned a long time ago not to get too far up the road, but to know enough for the next step. What is the next right step for us? What do we do? What is the next right thing for us? Because we got options. We can see the battle going on in front of us. We can see that God is definitely at work. He's doing something. The importance and the value of support, of getting to a divine limitation where we run out That God is somehow in that, so it leads us to other people, showing us our inability to do everything for ourselves, showing us our frailty, showing us all these things, so that we go to another person. Moses has his hands up and he's supported. What happens when the people who are supporting him can no longer support him? When their arms get tired which I feel like is representation of where we are. We move forward. The next right step being we got to do it together. Whatever we do, the priority is that we do it together. Seeing one another for where we are. Being with one another where we are. Having open and honest conversations about the questions we might have. Praying for each other. And I don't mean just the checking off your list type of thing. Not just here, in the recesses of your person. We've all been faking a lot for a long time. We know how to fake, okay? We know, oh yeah, hi, God bless you. I kept that going. We know how to be, we've been conditioned to be, I mean at a soul level, something beneath the surface. And maybe we can't find full strength to do everything, but we can do one thing, just take it a little bit deeper. And I can see an image of us going toward the finish line but just grabbing everybody and saying we're all going together, dragging people if we have to, wrapping blankets around people and literally scooting them along that we are going to do this together. We find ourselves in an interesting predicament, but I think God knew that all along. He allowed us to reach our limit as a church, as a big C church, because he knew we were going to find a way to each other. We're going to let our selfishness that we've developed in our, how does it work out for me and, and, and being the center of everything. He knew we would develop that and he also knew that we were going to heal it from our connection with other people. If you're a person listening and you say, well, you know, I'm already very connected. I have all my family, I have everything I need. Thank you, model that for other people. If you're doing a great job at it, keep doing a great job at it because somebody else will need to know the blueprint. It's no longer about how great God is speaking to me. It's like, how can I use this to make a difference in somebody else? The path forward is unknown and uncharted. But we know the person who holds the path. It's how well do we want to finish? How well do we want to enter into the next chapter? How well do we want to process through the old one as we move into the new one? Those are all your choices. You get to decide. What I learned in in tough seasons, coming out of one, is that I need people. I need people more than I ever imagined. And maybe not in the ways that I thought. Maybe it's not so transactional. You do for me, I do for you. We're both happy, we're in a small group, we have proximity because our bodies are together, but with vulnerability attached. Seeing my deep need, having a space for God to feel, and God sending somebody else outside me to come in and say, yeah, was God's hand extended to me? That was God leading those people to come to me. That was God holding my husband and I as we navigated, very, very difficult terrain. It was God who said, you can be a pastor, and you can be in a church and not pray to me because you are in the depth of your own pain. I'm gonna hold you anyway. We only know God in perfection. And what he showed me was, yeah, I'm gonna hold you, I'm gonna be with you, and I'm gonna use other people to strengthen you until you get your strength back, and then you pay it forward. Like never before, technology is amazing. Innovation is beautiful. But with the church, God has cared for us so well over all these years, and the people I talk to, everybody's just stumped. They're like stumped. They're like, I don't know. What is God doing? And I was just like, he's bringing it back to the very thing it started with in the first place. Bringing us back that if all of this whole world fell away, if the building vanished, if the budgets vanished, if everything we have known disappears, what will we have? Humanity. If you have the titles are gone, if the homes are gone, if all of the possessions are gone, if you don't even have your right mind, you have people. Bringing us back. So the thing that mattered the most, where we weren't, it wasn't about how amazing our choir sang or how powerful the message went. It was it was about the connection of one to another, sharing ideas, gathering together, old school, thousands of years old school. The prioritization of humanity is being elevated. And I may be a couple days ahead or I may be a few weeks late. But here's what I do know. The real estate that you're sitting next to, just go ahead and take a look at that person. It's powerful. What if the prayers you were praying last night or the things you wrote in your journal this week were somehow, some way, were going to be met by the person sitting next to you? that maybe you're going to be on a journey one day and you're going to run out. You're going to experience divine limitations and maybe you'll find yourself in a hospital somewhere. Maybe, who knows, there's going to be a person who's going to walk in that door. It's going to bring you such hope and joy. I want us to, just to return our sight and our spirit. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have it figured out. But if we just sit with the idea that God may be in this season need to value people more than I ever had before, the connection, the opportunity, the beauty, the shared strength, the shared stories, the camaraderie, the connection, as a means for our collective healing as humanity. I said a lot today. How do we love forward? How do we get up? Some of us dry, some of us dead in our own bodies, some shells just sitting here going through the motions, doing everything we're supposed to do, but we know for sure it is not connected. The computer screen is still coming on, but it's not connected to the server. We're just sitting organizing files when we have no real power. Passing time. How do we awaken that? How do we stimulate that? How do we how do we command a group of people to shake it just shake all that off and just wake up? I don't know the answer to that question. But I am interested in how God is going to use humanity to heal humanity. And how, more than ever, the church will be the example of what that looks like. How we model it for the world, how we model it for the people in our lives. How do we show that this is what matters? Maybe it was Moses who showed it to me, and I'm showing it to you, and maybe we keep showing it to others. I don't know. But what I do know, it feels so much better on this side. Grace, you might find yourself in a new chapter, a new season. There's life coming. And it might catch you by surprise that the life that comes looked a lot like the person you were looking at. But he's going to do it through People. You get to ask yourself, how am I going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit? Maybe you can sit with it right now. And I'm finished. Just take a moment. Right here and right now and say, uh, what, what did you hear? From everything that I mentioned today, what did you hear? What did you hear? What stood out? Maybe you can shout it out. Can you shout it out? What's something you, you heard? We need each other. Amen. What else do we hear? Holding.
0: Holding. It is not transactional.
1: Yeah. Divine. Yes. Mhm. Can we get a witness to her? Right? If you can go to sleep for a thousand hours, you sure would and wake up in 20, I don't know, however many years that is. What else did we hear? Give up. Yeah. Sometimes we want to. Forward. Yeah. That's important. Mhm. It has to be able to cost you. If the conversation you're having, you can leave and anybody can take it. Okay, maybe. But when you say something that costs you a little bit, I go home and I'm like, ooh, I think I said too much. What else did we hear? Honesty. The value of that. Fear. Yeah, fear. Yeah. Dig deeper. Dig deeper. Yep. And being vulnerable. It's true. I can go home and stream the service and that be acceptable. You know, for years we taught people, you know, being, being in the house of God is important. You know, somebody has to see your countenance and, and somebody has to know you. How can you be seen and known if you're not in the building? And we encouraged people and people came every Sunday. It was amazing. And the pandemic happened. And it was like, well, what do we do with that? We're gonna gather digitally. We've empowered people. We've told them that this is perfectly acceptable. So now they have options. I don't have to be near people and be blessed. And even if we didn't say it with our mouths, we modeled it for them. Stream online, stream online, stay connected, stream online, stream online. Okay, I'm gonna stream online, I'm gonna stream online, I'm gonna stay connected, I'm gonna stream online. And that social interaction happened around wine at the wine bar. It happened at work. It happened in other settings, but not in church. So now to tell people, come on back, you got to be around people, come on back. It's like, ah, 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 I know the difference now. It has to be something deeper. Give me something I can't find anywhere else and I'm yours. Here's the point, we're all needing it whether now or in the future, we'll need somebody to hold our arms up. Somebody to support us. Our leaders need that, more than ever. Pastoring in this generation at this time is, wow, mind-blowing. The questions that we have to answer, the things we have to wrestle through. It's never happened, ever. We need the support, the intercession, the prayer, the support, the leader, the liberty, the freedom to try things, to do things differently than we did last season. People saying, go ahead. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being here. And then for the people who are the ones doing the supporting when your hands are tired, wow. I want you to feel the space in the room to be tired, to be human. There were people that were with us that lasted the whole pandemic that kept filming and kept editing and, and then they ran out of gas. The moment we came back in person, they were like, look, I need a break. I'm like, I know, take it. And that somehow, way, we raised the prioritization of others in deep and meaningful and vulnerable ways as the way we love and move forward. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for each and every person here and all that we have. Help us to see one another. God, you want to draw us to yourself. Thank you. You also want want us to be connected to one another. Thank you for putting what I need in my brother and my sister. Humanity is hurting and it affects our church just like everywhere else. Thank you for allowing us to see people right where they are. Give them grace. I also thank you, God, for carving out room for us to be honest about our own weariness and well-doing. That you're going to do wonderful things with us. You have not forgotten. You do not fail. Every word that you've spoken, is. you are going to do it. I'm convinced. Thank you for seeing our humanity in the process. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.